Over the course of this series of messages, we've spoken about the work of God on our behalf. And the point that I've been wanting to get across is that just as we were saved by the work of Christ and His Spirit, so we must also walk in that new life. You see, our salvation was not the result of good works, so good works were the result of our salvation. But we owe our salvation and forgiveness to the grace of God that worked in us and on our behalf. And we look back at our lives and we recognize that that were it not for the mercy and compassion of Christ, not one of us would ever have experienced the forgiveness that he offers and the new life that he gives. And what is true of our salvation is also true of our service for Christ and our maturity in him. And ultimately, the glory will go to God for the work that he has done, not only in our salvation, but through us. And not one of us will stand before Christ on that final day and say, look at all the great things that I've done for you. I deserve this eternal life in my crown. Instead, we will bow at his feet with tears running down our cheeks in absolute awe at the fact that he used sinners like us to accomplish his wonderful purpose. We will cast our crowns before him and recognize that were it not for his work, we would be bowing down before him with absolutely nothing to show. Now, there are many who cannot accept the fact that salvation could be a free gift. And so these individuals spend their lives trying to merit the salvation of God. They they feel that they have to somehow be good enough for God to accept them. And what we need to understand here is that this same untruth is often carried over by Christians into their Christian life. And sometimes we, we accept the fact that salvation is a free gift, and that is completely a, a work of God. But somehow, our Christian life is, is a human effort to please Him. It's my conviction that salvation is an act of grace on God's part. All we can do is receive what He gives. But it is also my conviction that the Christian life also is a work of God, and it is our responsibility to submit to what He is doing through us. And so it is for that reason that the Apostle writes to the Ephesians, and in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, he says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the question we ask ourselves is this, why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? And I would suggest to you that it is because without His work, our Christian life is merely a human attempt to do the work of God in the flesh. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, we are no better off than the unbeliever who seeks to please God by all his or her human efforts. And without his work, we become dependent on our eloquence, our persuasiveness, our education, our experience. But when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, however, it changes all of this and places the very power and the wisdom of God 
at our disposal. And it is for this reason that Paul challenges the Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Victory in the Christian life does not go to the one who who is most disciplined in Bible reading, nor does it go to the one who attends church the most. These human efforts, as important as they are, do not guarantee spiritual maturity. Maturity and fruitfulness in the Christian life depends first and foremost, on the work of God's Holy Spirit in us as we surrender to Him. And if we are to mature and become all that God intends us to become, the work of God's Spirit is an absolute essential. Now, if we need the work of God's Spirit to live the Christian life— then it's imperative that we understand what Paul is teaching the Ephesians in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 when he tells them that they are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does Paul mean when he tells the Ephesians to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, to answer this, let's begin, first of all, with the words of Paul to the Romans in chapter 8 and verse 9, where he says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Now, notice that the Apostle Paul tells us that the mark of a true Christian is the presence of the Holy Spirit in his or her life. It is the Holy Spirit of God who gives us life. It is His work that is changing and transforming us from the inside. It is He who gives us this hunger and passion for God. Now, the incredible thing about the Christian life is that I am being changed. I am being changed. The changes that are taking place in me are not so much the fruit of my disciplined effort as it is the work of God's Spirit that is alive in me. You see, when you come to Jesus Christ and we're born again, you receive the life in the person of the Holy Spirit who sealed your salvation. That's the teaching of Paul Paul in the in Ephesians chapter one, verses thirteen and fourteen, where he says this in him you Also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Spirit of God dwells in all true believers. It is the very, he is the very life of God in us. Now, while all Genuine believers have the presence of God's Spirit in them. Not all of them are filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, to be filled implies that He has full possession of every aspect of our lives. And the reality of the matter is that as believers, we have often not surrendered to the work of God's Spirit and what He wants to do in us. It is possible for a believer to to live in rebellion against God in some form or another. Sin is an unwillingness to surrender to God and His purpose, and even believers sin. And some of those sins have to do with what we do.
do or don't do, but others relate to who we are, our attitudes, our personality traits that are not in line with God's purpose. Sometimes we have our preferences, desires, and goals in life that that we are not willing to surrender to the Lord. And so speaking to the Ephesians, again, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 4, verses 30 to 31, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So notice what Paul's telling the Ephesians here, that they were not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And he gives an example of what would grieve the Holy Spirit in these verses. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, all of these things grieve the Holy Spirit and are evidence of an unsurrendered heart. Those who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit must surrender these areas of their lives to Him. They must cry out, Holy Spirit, I confess my attitude and my actions. I I submit to you and your work in my life. I ask that you would have full possession of these aspects of my life and and that your will would be done in me. They, they give God access to their thoughts, their attitudes, their personality traits, and, and willingness to surrender to his work of changing these things to the glory of the Father. They open their hearts to him for his cleansing and transforming work. They surrender their mind, their heart, their will, their body to the work of God and submit to what the Holy Spirit chooses to do in them. There is no part of their lives where the Spirit of Christ does not come and have free reign in their lives. This is being filled with His Holy Spirit. Now, it goes without question, without saying rather, that that this is not a one-time event. This act of surrender to the Holy Spirit is an ongoing, everyday occurrence. Every day reveals its rebellion, its sin, its unwillingness to yield to God's working. Each new day, I I must submit to His inner work and to His leading. Each new day, I must allow Him full control of every part of me. Now, this is not always an easy thing. Now, I've shared with you the fact that for many years I resisted uh, being a, a the calling to be a pastor. Now, I faithfully did the work for years, uh, but could not bring myself to accept that this was a calling of God in my life. And I remember the day when after many years of resisting that, though I did it, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Wayne, you need to accept this call in your life. And I remember the day when I simply said, Lord, okay, Lord, I I will be a pastor. Now, nothing spectacular happened that day, but I did sense a deeper peace and contentment as the Spirit of God took over that aspect of my heart, the disagreement that I had between me and God. God was over. Now I I expected until I die and go to be with the Lord, there will never be a moment where I do not need to surrender more and more to the work of God's Spirit in my life. And I suspect that He will continue to pour Himself into more and more parts of me, taking control, refining, empowering 
and filling. Now this leads us to the question, can we ever truly be filled and surrendered completely to God and the work of His Spirit? Well, a number of years ago, before I built my office, I, I used to write in coffee shops. And, and I remember I was reflecting on this question of God's Spirit filling every part of me. And as I reflected, the Lord seemed to speak to me through a picture He, he showed me in my mind. I remember still that picture. I saw a coffee cup, and it was filled to the brim with coffee. And, and as I watched, I saw these hands coming down, and, and they reached down inside the cup, and they stretched the sides of that cup out. And as those hands stretched the sides of that cup out, its capacity became greater. And I watched the level of coffee drop in the coffee cup as its sides were expanded. And, and the cup no longer seemed full. In fact, it seemed rather empty. And as I considered that picture, I felt the Lord reminding me that not a drop of coffee had been lost, but that the sense of emptiness was not because there was less coffee, but because the capacity of the cup had been increased. And I was reminded that that is how it is in the Christian life that God will often stretch us and increase our capacity to know him and his work. And the reality of the matter is this, that as long as God can stretch me and my capacity to know him and his work, there will always be a need for greater filling and greater surrender. I have not yet come to a place in my life where I consider that I no longer need any more of God. If anything, my need for Him is only increased. With each new opportunity for service comes a greater need for surrender to His work in me. The Spirit of God has not yet stopped revealing personality traits, attitudes, and actions that need to be more fully surrendered to His work. And until I am like Christ, I will always need the work of the Spirit in me, and I will always need to surrender more to His enabling and more to His transforming work. To be honest, I don't ever expect to see a time in my life where the command of Paul to the Ephesians, be filled with the Holy Spirit, does not apply to me. Now, while time does not permit us to go into greater detail about the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives, I do want to conclude, however, with a word about how we can be filled as Paul commanded. Now, remember here that if you are a true believer— then the Holy Spirit already resides in you. It's not a matter of having the Holy Spirit in you that we're addressing here, but about our surrender to His work in our lives. It was the words of Oswald Smith, founder of People's Church in Toronto, that helped me to understand more fully what this feeling is. And in his book, The Endowment of Power, he writes the following. I often think of the Holy Spirit as a mighty river, but a river damned and held back by obstacles of one kind or another. Fancy a man standing on the dam and pleading in prayer with the river to flow on. <laughs> 
How absurd. Why, the river would answer, this is just what I do. Don't waste your energy in such vain repetition. It is my nature to flow. I am more anxious to flow than you are to see me flow. Ah, yes, that's the secret. There's a dam in your life, a dam of sin. There are obstacles in the way, obstacles of unyieldedness. You deal with the sin. Do you hear me? Sin. Get the bed of the river cleared and the river will flow all right. You you will not even have to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. In fact, you will not be able to keep him out. He will come and fill you of his own accord. Oh, how eager he is to enter, how anxious he is to get control. Have you ever walked beside a river and seen a branch that has become stuck across it? And if you have seen that, likely you've seen the garbage that flows down the river getting stuck behind that branch. And the more garbage and and twigs and obstacles that come and get stuck behind that branch, the more the flow of the river is hindered. Have you ever stopped for a moment, reached out to that branch and pulled it up from the river And if you have, have you seen the garbage being released and disappear when that obstacle was removed? Did you notice the power of the river to push all that garbage away? Did did you see the river swell and uh, and renewed flow as the obstacle was removed? Isn't that what God wants to do in our lives? The Spirit of God is willing to flow and fill every corner of your life, but sometimes there are obstacles we stubbornly refuse to surrender to Him. Pull up the branch. Pull up the branch of rebellion, of resistance, and watch what He will do. Don't assume That that one branch, however, is the only one that you'll ever have to remove in the river of your life. Because down the stream is is yet another one that you will have to deal with as well. And in this 80 or 90 year life stream, there will be many such branches in our river. They, 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 they fall into the stream at, at different times and different places or the, over the course of our life. And then over the course of, of my life stream, the Lord has revealed obstacles that I did not even know existed. Hidden attitudes, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, jealousy. He is still dealing with those things in my life as I try to surrender and, and yield to him. All of these branches in the river of my life, however, need to be recognized, confessed, and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I remember a time in my life when I wondered when God was going to stop revealing one obstacle after another in my life. I believe I've come to, find, to, to know that answer. And that answer is when I am like Christ. And until then, I must continue to surrender to the work and leading of the Holy Spirit and to his, who is transforming me and working out his purposes and working out God's purposes in me for my life through me. And, and God is calling me every day to surrender and to be filled more and more in every part of my life, in every attitude, in every thought, in every way 
by his spirit so that I can become the person he has called me to be and I can be what he wants me to be. May God give us the grace to recognize the empowering and transforming work of his spirit in our lives. And may we be filled more and more as we surrender to him and to his work in us and through us for the glory of Christ.